Educators Amplified, the podcast. Educators Amplified, Educators Amplified, where we amplify educators' voice, amplify students' experience, amplify well-being, amplify hope, amplify what's really going on in our public schools, amplify solutions to restore the education profession, amplify new possibilities. I'm Joanna. And I'm Hallie. We see you. We hear you. We are you. Educators Amplified, we are back over here in Silver City Studios, gearing up to have another great episode with a new guest. But before we get to our guests, what do you want to talk about? How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm I'm still concerned about colleagues. I'm concerned that we don't have an internal system. I was talking with a, an administrator a couple weeks ago, and I was like, how do you think everybody's doing? And th- their response was like, oh, it's good. You know, it's that idea, like, if someone's not overtly, like... Freaking out. Yeah, or, mm-hmm. that there's an assumption that it's good. Whereas on the other side, I'm on the more internal yep. side of things. I'm like, oh, nobody's good. Right. Like, is this person going through their daily duties? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. How are they really feeling and are they connected and are they being supported to be their best self? No. I know. And so I have, I do have that worry that there's just still such that lack of acknowledgement, separation, and again, not tied to individuals, tied to how we operate and, and what we do. And yep. I, I, you know, maybe we'll mention it in the episode where I'll talk about, you know, because we're going to be talking to a, a newer to the profession teacher, this idea that I keep coming back to of like, there, it, there seems to be just the position or just the role that there's not like this bigger like family tree or you know there yeah. there's a hierarchy but it's just it's all positional mm-hmm. it's not about like how we function how we're going to support it doesn't address the internals right well and I, my word i keep saying is climate and culture climate and culture you know and i feel like one i just sounded like a parrot there but two <laughs> i, I want to get better at defining <laughs> You did it in Polly Wonsuk. Yeah, I totally did. (laughs) But I want to get better at describing what I mean by that because I feel like it's one of those words that you say, but everybody has a different definition or different Mm -hmm. way of thinking about it. And then depending on where you are in the hierarchy system, you understand what I'm saying or you don't. Yeah. But that is what I can see. I mean, it's you describe it that way. I describe it this way, you know, like this crux of the human aspect of teaching is missing or mm-hmm. suffering greatly. Suffering. Yeah. So, yeah, being in that environment, you know, on some days I'm like, I'm okay. And other days I'm like, oh, that was heavy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's like really like big picture stuff. I also want to look at kind of day to day. You know, I think about even what you were just talking about in the circle the other day about how to me, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of things going on in our world, our society, you know, when we're partially almost through December, Mm -hmm. we're over a quarter way through the school year. And I just can really see like teachers in the public eye can be looked at as just like content or like you know like they have content area experts Mm -hmm. but I'm also like teachers understand humans and Mm -hmm. how things go and so do you remember what you were talking about in the circle the other day about in between Thanksgiving and Christmas oh well I always talk about that this time of year because I I do I talk about that between Thanksgiving and Christmas it's like known or should be known because maybe it's not known but it's in my world of the things that I've studied over the years and just observed it's a time of incredible stress Mm -hmm. I mean literally on the books you'll see incidences of drinking drugging domestic violence just stressors in general elevated 
between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so, of course, we're going to feel that. We're going to absorb that. We're going to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. I just think like that's on my mind too, where okay. I'm like, well, and I think it's on my mind because, right, all the songs say it's the most wonderful time of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be like doom and gloom. It's not. But I'm also like. It's part of the pressure. Yes. It's part of the the source of the stress. I just see so many things that kids are stressed out by yes. in terms of, again, the way we say things should be and the way things are. Mm-hmm. I could get into that whole, you know, that this college application process mm-hmm. that I'm helping this one young man with mm-hmm. is the same thing where there's there's the idea that Here's how it should be. You should just have this GPA, regardless if there was a pandemic in between, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and the students feeling the incredible pressure mm-hmm. from that or like, I don't know. Part of it, too, is just it's it's concrete where it's and kids really believe concrete. Th- you know, so, again, if it's like it's the most wonderful time of the year, what can make you feel worse is when like, but I don't feel wonderful. Mm-hmm. And if it's like, well, here's the things you need to have for college in terms of a GPA. But if you're just shy of that, then you just X yourself out. And then that's stressful. And, you know, the coping mechanisms for children, you know, are limited. And but God, look at the adults, too. So anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm. I feel all that, or we're noticing that, and I'm sure our listeners are too. Right, right. So yeah, I just kind of, you know, when we're like, "How are you doing?" and you're like, "I'm okay." okay. Yeah, I'm like, look at all the layers and all the things that are out here. Big picture, day to day, you know, just there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, something else I think about too, about like, how are you doing? Is I wanted to give an update to listeners of those who were there, those who weren't. But we did go and celebrate our one-year birthday party. Mm-hmm. Happy uh, birthday to you. <laughs> Get it. Um, <laughs> for Educators Amplified, the podcast. And, you know, our. do you remember last year? Like, it's kind of nostalgic. Like, last year, not well, kind of around this time, it was like the launch party yeah. at mm-hmm. Third, um, Third, Third Space, Space Brewery. Brewery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it was like the one-year birthday party yep. at Sugar Maple. To, right. Back to shout out Sugar Maple. Yeah. Let's go back there. That felt good. Yeah. So just let's just give a little update about that. So we had, you know, people came and I always just appreciate the support from Sugar Maple and mm-hmm. um, what they're all doing there. But we had quite a few people there just yep. from all over. And it felt good. We really used it as an opportunity to just connect with people. So we opted to not make it like a huge event. Right. It wasn't like an all call. So sorry, y'all, if you <laughs> didn't see anything on the page and stuff. It wasn't like that. It no. really was kind of just person to person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it felt good to just, I think we just needed that slower pace. Yeah. That we didn't feel like we would have to be at event and like entertain people. We were just kind of like, hey, come on out if you can. We're excited about this. We're feeling empowered by it. Are you feeling empowered by it? And then ways to just like connect and share. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're just, I just want to put, like, we haven't talked about that. No. That, like, yeah, it was, it was a birthday party. And thank you to anyone who did come and who listens and supports. We got some commitments from the people there mm-hmm. about how we're all going to work to promote Educators Amplified even more. Mm-hmm. Um because, again, we don't view ourselves as just limited to educators. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look at it as we just want to share about education. Mm-hmm. Well, and really amplify the message of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And how do we help with teachers and students and people's well-being. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was a cool event because it really, again, where I keep being like, we're back. We made it back. We're back. It was, launch party last year was cool, but we were still masked up. And it Mm, was still a mm -hmm. little like it was right before AMI starting. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember, I don't know, even looking at the pictures, it's like it was masks Mm -hmm. on, masks off in a bar. That's kind of like weird, but whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, this one just felt like 
back, comfortable. Mm -hmm. People seem genuinely excited to see each other. Some cool new connections were made because there really were people from throughout the region. You know, Mm -hmm. there was a good cross section of of districts and organizations there. So, yeah, it was, I'm all like, it was good. But no, it really was good. (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to bring that back up. Like, we are doing cool stuff out here, even though we're like, there's a lot going on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, right. Then let's just kind of give a, I want to give a quick intro to our guest who you'll be hearing today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got... um, so right, I I'm just fascinated by what ha- what it has to be like to be her. So she's been teaching. This is her third year, ah, mm-hmm. and she works in a really small district right outside of Madison, right or mm-hmm. near Madison. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm making it up, but right. somewhere not very close to Milwaukee because we did have to zoom her in. Yeah. Um. So you'll notice probably as it's recording that it's a little bit different sound quality, but. It's still a great episode. Um, her name is Allie, and really we connected just through when we talk about the WEAC PDI conference that mm-hmm. she attended our session last year, and then in the in-between time, she's been following us. I can see she likes things on Instagram, you know, so I'd see her on there, you know, but it's like, I don't know you, but, you know, mm-hmm. like the whole social media world, um, but I could always tell she was out here supporting and even when I met her last year, I could tell like she really connected to it. And so then this year when I saw her, I'm like, oh my gosh, how are you? You know, and it's weird. Like you don't really know someone, but you feel like you do because they're following you on Instagram. Um, And right. She just really lit up as we spoke to her. And I appreciated that she came again to another session of ours. Right. And so then we were just kind of like, hey, you have a really valuable perspective being a third year teacher, um, starting teaching right when it's COVID. Yeah. Um, talk about just like a like to me, I'm like, gosh, there's so much knowledge there and mm-hmm. insight that we need. Yeah, a very interesting story to tell, right? Mm-hmm. The the person who a lot of maybe pundits would like to say doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like a young person in the profession coming in at one of the most difficult times enjoying herself, well, you'll have to hear. You'll, yeah. you'll hear from her. Yeah, yeah. So, right, I just wanted to give that quick intro. You'll see, even me <laughs> and Joanna, like, we get surprised. We get excited about the things that she shares. Right. So, well, we love getting our learn on. That's oh, why yeah. we talk to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So enjoy, everybody, and obviously always let us know what you think. Just start with an introduction with our guest on the show today. This is Allie. Say hi, Allie. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I keep laughing because it's Allie and Hallie, so right. don't get us confused. <laughs> um, all right, so let's kind of talk first just about how we crossed paths. Um, and so you know, as Joanna and I have mentioned in our last episode, we gave a really quick update about the WEAC Professional Development Institute Conference and how this was our second, well, I guess second time around that we've sit on the podcast that we uh, presented at it. Mm-hmm. But we met Allie at that conference. So you were you still in college or had you already started teaching? Not obviously not this year, but last year. So last year was my second year of teaching. Okay. So this is my Okay, so it was your second year of teaching. You were like, I'm going to check out this conference. And do you remember, what were your thoughts or just what do you remember from connecting at that conference? I was really impacted by your presentation at the conference. Um, I think it was a really nice break from a lot of professional developments in that it was something that I could use that day for both myself and then on Monday morning with my students. It was something that I knew right away um, I would be able to implement in my class because you were talking about so many things uh, that all students and all people really 
experience um, with mm -hmm. the dysregulation and regulation um, of both their bodies and their emotions. Um, so I was really, really inspired by what you said. Um, and I was really excited to implement some of those things right off the bat. Dang, that's really cool to hear. I was just reminding the kids today, I'm not say reminding, but I was telling them my observations have always been like regulation, dysregulation. It's like when people hear it, they're like, oh, yeah. It's just like we haven't given language to it. So it's it's always so cool to hear about how it's kind of like an immediate connection. I Maybe we even said that before on the podcast. I don't know. But um, that's interesting to hear. So right now you are a third-year teacher. So I we'll, we'll take it all over the place. Yeah. Take it a little bit back for me of – so you're – Allie, and you attended school. When did you know you wanted to be a teacher? Do you have one of those stories? Um, I kind of have the opposite story. Okay. In that yeah. Everybody always told me, like, you should be a teacher. Like, you're really good with people. You really know what you're talking about. Like, you should be a teacher. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> um, so when I went to college, I had intended on majoring in political science and journalism. Um, and I needed one more credit to kind of fill out my first semester schedule. And my advisor was like, there's this intro to education class, like, just take it, see mm. what happens. So I was like, all right, I guess this is what's going to fill out my schedule. Um, and I had switched my major by Thanksgiving to English education with a minor in special ed. Wow. Dang. And where did you go to college? I graduated from UW-Eau Claire. Okay. Whoa! Allie and Allie have that in Go common. Go Blue Golds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, my goodness, Allie. We're like BFFs now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's a cool story. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit more, though, about like, yeah. so you get into this intro to teaching class, and what was it where you were like, oh, wow, this is me? I think before I became an education major and then eventually a teacher, I kind of saw teaching as you just work with kids. And I didn't really see the long-term impact of what you can do as a teacher. Uh, I chose English specifically because I think it's really important for people, especially young people, to be able to communicate effectively and think critically. Um, we're seeing a lot of needs in that area uh, if you just take a scroll through any social media platform, you're seeing that there's not a lot of effective communication happen. Um, I think if students who turn into young adults who turn into adults want to get their points across and have people believe them and trust them, they have to be able to put their thoughts together in a way that makes sense. And if I can make a small, small difference in how my students are able to do that. Um, I think that's mm. how I know that I've made a difference. Mm. Dang. Well, I love it. And so what made you, I get the English side, what made you decide to maybe choose the minor in special education? And how do you feel about that now? I chose to minor in special ed, um, specifically learning disabilities, because I had really no background in any of that and being able to accommodate and modify for my students effectively really scared me um, because I did not feel prepared at all um, to do that based mm -hmm. on my regular coursework as a gen ed major. Um, so I kind of threw myself into something that made me uncomfortable because I knew it would make a difference and be important in the long run. Mm -hmm. um, Way that Eau Claire sets up their program, uh, you're only taking one special ed course um, yeah. as a general teacher, and I don't think that's enough because you're going to be working with students with varying needs every single hour of your day, um, and if you just have that one course, I think you're doing a disservice to both the students with the diagnosed disability and those without. Mm -hmm. Well, it gives that background, too, again, about just what all the different forms of learning. So someday we may even get away from calling it disabilities. You know what I mean? And it just may be like, here's the different ways of processing, ways of understanding.
And so when you were a student at Eau Claire, did you become a member of WEAC then? Were you a member of Student WEAC or was that once you became a teacher teacher? Yeah, so I was on Aspiring Ed at Eau Claire um, as part of their exec board. And then I was on Aspiring Educators of Wisconsin State Exec Board um, my junior and senior year. Um, So it was pretty natural to enroll myself in the union as soon as I accepted a teaching position. Tell me this too. How did you hear about like the WEAC sector of Aspiring Ed at Eau Claire? Um, Eau Claire had a really, really strong chapter presence um, when I attended. Um, They at the time were one of the largest in the state. Um, And it was something that I knew was going to be important for me. Um, I think joining the union is kind of a no brainer. Um, It's Mm -hmm. somewhere that is on your side. And I figured that it would be a really good place to start networking um, before I got into an actual teaching position. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad to hear that because, mm-hmm. you know, even going to these conferences through the WEAC PDI, I'll obviously, obviously it's aspiring educators there. And I did not know about it when I attended Eau Claire. So I'm happy that it's evolved. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like that, you know, that's why I asked, like, how did you know about it? Because I'm like, did I miss something when I was there? Was it big? <laughs> and I just <laughs> was in my own state of mind. But Regardless, I'm excited that it was such a big chapter and, you know, obviously brought you to where you are now. Yeah. So tell a little bit of the story then of how you came to teaching where you're teaching right now. Like, has have you you've been teaching for three years all in the same high school? And so yeah. and is that far away from where you grew up like tell me the story you know I got a story about my first job you know mine was Mm -hmm. like my old principal called me and I didn't even know there was a job he had heard that I was you know graduating and this is before cell phones and email and stuff Mm -hmm. you know and he just he called me and said hey I heard that you're graduating uh with an English degree I had the same and um anyway so I that was my first job and I enjoyed working at the school that I went to and this and that. But, I mean, this is before we can. I'm like, how did I even know there were jobs? But anyway, that's how I got my first job. How did you get yours? Um, so I graduated in May of 2020. Um, so mm. right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so not a lot of places were posting jobs at all. Um, so I kind of just threw my hat out anywhere that was a hiring an English teacher. Um, I, it was getting towards August and I didn't have a position yet. Um, so I applied to be a substitute teacher um, with teachers on call. Um, so I planned to be a sub my first year just because that's what was open. Um, and then the very last week of August, um, right before insert, the day before in service started, I applied for this position Um, and was hired a few hours later. Um, So I was hired the day before in service. Oh, yeah. That's a regular thing now. Do you remember our first staff meeting this year where someone literally was like, I realize I've only worked here for three hours, but here's what I think. (laughs) And I was kind of like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is where we're at. Well, and I mean, how was that for you? Because I remember, you know, like, you speaking in your story reminded me of there was a when my child was in kindergarten it was during covid and she had a substitute teacher because her original teacher went away on maternity leave cool but when that teacher got done subbing she like couldn't find a job anywhere so can you share though like how was that to be like you know what were you hearing in the media or what were you hearing out in society about teacher positions but then your experience was like holy cow I think I'm this highly trained professional and I can't find a job I think it was really disempowering to hear all of like these news stories and just like people's personal stories saying like teachers are leaving like in droves, like Mm -hmm. no one is coming back after COVID. There's going to be so many positions open. 
And then when I would get rejected from a position, I took that really, really personally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like hearing how bad the teacher shortage is and then not being able to find a position right off the bat um, really kind of made me doubt myself. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that English is a really saturated market right now. Like English and social studies are two degrees that are not in as high demand at the moment. Um, but just still like getting rejection after rejection when everybody's saying it should be so easy, mm-hmm. um, really kind of put a damper on things. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So then you get the job and then what, like how is so, and year one is still pretty much COVID, right? Like people are, you might be back, but there's masks yeah, what or was, were like, you even back? Cause we weren't back that first fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we went back fully in person, um, fully masked in September of 2020. Um, We had some families choose to be virtual um, Mm -hmm. throughout that. That was a very, very small percentage of our families here. Um, So those students would work virtually. Uh, They would stream in on a Google Meet a couple of times a week. Um, But for the most part, they were just doing their own work. Mm -hmm. Um, We made it the entire school year without having to close down for quarantines which was really impressive. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But it was really a lot trying to balance the virtual kids and the in-person kids. And sometimes the internet wouldn't work and it would be all sorts of things. Well, mm-hmm. and you as a, just then a, a starting, you know, a new teacher, what kind of what kind of feelings were you still? So you were like, okay, I started out doubting myself being like, can I even get a job? Then you have the job and you're like, okay, this is the craziest thing. Like, how were you feeling about being able to manage the job? Or did you, did your teacher fire get lit right away? Or was it, was it really hard? Um, I think a little bit of both. I knew that I could do better, but I physically did not have the time Mm -hmm. to do any better. I made a lot of mistakes my first year Mm -hmm. uh, because I was building the plane as I was flying it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have a curriculum for any of my classes at all my first year. So I was kind of just piecing together things Mm -hmm. that I found, things that I created, things that I was borrowing from other teachers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was really disappointed in myself and I was very, very hard on myself all throughout that first year. Um, but thinking about it now, like there's nothing that I really could have done uh-huh. all that different just because there's not enough hours in the day. Well, that's the curse of the teacher is we never feel like we've done enough, you know, or there is, some, and it's partly in our system. Our system makes us feel like mm-hmm. you're never good enough. There's always more you could do. There is always this, there's always that. Like, oh, and something I can't, Im- that I oh. wish to change because it's, it's, it's unhealthy. Well, and I can't imagine too, for you as a new educator. Oh my God. Especially when nobody knew what they were doing. Right. That's nobody. A, right. And it's your first year. So you're like fish out of water. Like, well, we're happy you survived. Yeah. <laughs> why we were inviting you onto the show was like you said earlier, like you were able to connect with this really human work that we talk about. So would you mind sharing, like, what are some things you noticed though about your students at, at, you know, during these times, like there's the actual, you know, it's so interesting, right? When we're talking about teaching, you're like, my curriculum wasn't set, but now, you know, that ain't the teaching right? That's the stuff you do, but that ain't the teaching. And so what were you learning or how do you feel? What were you noticing about what teaching is, like what kids need? And and so what were you feeling? What were you noticing? Um, I think right away, it's really, really obvious when your kids are not having a good day. Sometimes they will tell you that they're not having a good day, but other times their nonverbal communication is a lot louder than the things that they would actually tell you. Um, And there are definitely personalities that set the tone in any group, especially in a classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And if 
one of those leaders in the classroom is a little bit off, everybody is going to get thrown off. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I was able to connect with that person who I could see was not having their best day um, and kind of work through that with them um, before it spiraled into something that they couldn't manage anymore, um, I would be able to have a much more productive class for both them, for me, and for everybody else. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like and sound like, though, when someone is like, they ready to, I don't know, sometimes I'm like, it's poison, you know, like, it's you know, I'll I'll be like, dysregulation is loud, and it spreads, you know, or I'd be like, you know, you can talk about like, it's kind of like a poison that gets passed around. What did that look or sound like? Um, So something that I do every week is we just do a little mental health check-in and it's based on like memes that I find, like rate yourself on a scale of these random pictures of like squirrels or whatever. Mm -hmm. I. Um, And that will give me a lot of information right away too, to pick up on people that I might want to spend a little extra time with. Um, But if that has not happened, Um, and people are just showing things with their emotions or with their actions, and I'll just head over to them. I'll ask, like, hey, do you need a break? And they know they can take a lap around the school. They can head down to, um, we call it the Panther Den. Our mascot is the Panther. And we have a space in the guidance office where you can just kind of go and decompress. Um, I also bought some fidgets for my classroom. They were very promptly destroyed. Mm. Um, but the couple of weeks that they were still intact, that was a tool that they had access to, um, to just kind of release some of that energy in a more productive way too. Yeah. Yeah. So after maybe hearing some of our stuff Mm -hmm. at the PDI and stuff, tell me like, how did you start to interpret that or implement those concepts or language, language into your class? Or like, did you tell the kids about it? Like, what do they know? So right there, you just gave an example of like how you maybe intervene, you know, maybe on things that they don't even realize. But um, have you shared any of the language with them so that they are more aware of like their own dysregulation? Um, So last year after your session, I 100% just stole some of your slides. Yeah, and it's shared not them. stealing. We invited you to it. <laughs> it's on Instagram. <laughs> so I shared with them the scale that you had put together um, and talked them through, like, what does it mean to be dysregulated? How do you know that you are personally getting dysregulated? Um, I shared with them, like, when I'm getting dysregulated, I get really, really quiet. I'm already a pretty quiet person, but mm-hmm. I'll just really shut down and won't say much of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked them if they felt comfortable, like, what are some of the things that you and your body might do when you are feeling dysregulated? Um, and then just whenever we're having a rough day as a group of come back to that language and just say, like, I feel that the energy in here is a little bit off. Mm-hmm. We're dysregulated. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And what did you notice? Like, how did they, you know, respond. tell me, how did they respond? When you when you present things like this, are they like, that's dumb? Are they like, I get it? Or wh- how did you feel? How, what did you notice? How were they responding? Uh, definitely mixed reactions. There are some kids who just want no part of Mm-hmm. anything that anybody has to tell them about their emotions and they kind of checked out mm-hmm. but a lot of students really identified with some piece of what we talked about um there are some people who know themselves really well and when you're in high school that is not everybody everybody's mm-hmm. still kind of trying to figure out who they are um so giving them just one more tool was really helpful for them to start to identify some of those things within themselves Uh, maybe some of the things within their friends uh, that they could use to manage their reactions to things, manage the way that they were treating each other, manage the way that they were treating themselves, Mm -hmm. uh, which was really cool to see too. And then how does that make you feel as a teacher? Because something that excites me about our work is one, it makes sense for the kids, but then two, I'm like, it's what's kept me going because, right, because I'm aware of it and I actually practice it. Like, 
I'm not as torched, I feel like, right? Um, but maybe that's not true for you. Like, so when you see that the kids have this, then how, how did it, when the kids have this knowledge, when the kids are using this language, when they have this understanding about themselves and one another, then in turn, how does that impact you as a teacher? I don't feel as emotionally drained anymore mm -hmm. now that we are using this on a pretty regular basis. Um, because when you are responsible for a room full of that many people, mm -hmm. hours on end, you internalize a lot of the things that they're doing and saying and feeling. Um, and if, if I can help them take back some of the ownership of their dysregulation, I don't have to be the one doing all of that emotional labor. Mm -hmm. um, so it's taken a big weight off of my shoulders because I don't feel responsible for the emotional state of all 24 students in my classroom at once. There you go. Ooh! Well, there you go. It right. works like that. It yeah. works like that. That's wonderful to hear. And I'm glad that I'm glad that you're able to feel that. And just what you said is beautiful mm -hmm. and what we need. So how do other colleagues respond? Are they aware? What are they thinking? Have you spread the word? You keep it to um, yourself? A little bit of both. So I sit on our district's SEL committee. Um, so we've worked hand in hand with that. Um, unfortunately, I am the only general ed teacher on that committee. Mm -hmm. um, so that work is not expanded um, throughout the rest of like yeah. what we would consider core subjects. Um, but it's it's a work in progress. We're getting there. Well, no, <laughs> and I, I'm just, are, are they, you know, I remember when Hallie was a new teacher, you know, I remember her going through that, like mm -hmm. kind of struggling with, you know, because she was a special ed teacher. She was teaming uh, with general ed and they would just really kind of like question or they weren't oh, yeah. that open to it. Mm -hmm. um, well, because the priority always was like, we have to get through this chapter. And if you're going to spend all this time on, well, they call it the time like relationship building or SEL, when are we going to get, you know, on to the next chapter when you know and 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 that was at the the start when I was team teaching in the traditional school system that was at the start of where like everybody has to teach the same thing at the, on the same day at the same time with the same assessments and so they were gearing up so they're like if you're going to spend all this time on SEL then you're behind on where the kids need to be and I don't and I would always be like, I don't get like I get it what you're saying if we were working with like robots, but like we're not. So I don't possibly understand what you mean by teaching them to chapter six. So you just and I would say, I mean, it was my first year teaching. Um, I guess I would still kind of say it now, but now I would really know that the impact that it had on people because I would ask like and then I don't know how we're teaching them. Then we're we're telling them information, but they're not absorbing it or learning it. I think I heard a lot of people's feelings with those type of statements, but I still believe that where I'm like, or not even believe. I mean, it's neuroscience that if we're not regulated, if we're not in that parasympathetic nervous system, nothing is going to infiltrate the brain. Because it needs to be connected. So do you get any of that kind of resistance right now? Um, or yeah. are people just curious? Like, are there some things that they're noticing and they're curious? Tell us about it. Um, I don't think people would be against including some of these things in their own classrooms. I think there are just so many teachers who are already burning the candle at both ends that they don't feel like they have the time mm -hmm. to learn how to do this or learn the language to introduce that in their classroom. Mm -hmm. But you um, learned it in a 90 minute session. Just saying. Go So I know that uh, somehow when we met this last time, 
Um, I know that you said that you are doing like getting out fresh air and walks. Tell the audience about that. And like that, like to me, that was one of the first things. So before I had formalized like the kind of stuff we, we presented at the conference, I start, one of the first things I started out with was taking kids for walks because I just remember it. I had a same thing. I was like teaching English slash reading and I had this ninth grade class right after lunch that were just, and it was mainly at the time boys. Squirrely. Squirrely. I mean, nobody could settle down. You know what I mean? And so I remember like the first 20 minutes of class would be like, okay, guys, okay, everybody, could you settle down, calm down? All right, could you guys have a seat? Oh, yeah. You know what? And it was, I felt like, right, I was just working the room trying to like whack a mole, tamp everybody down. And then one day I was just like, okay, let's just go for a walk, you know? And I remember taking everybody for the walk and then when they came in, they were just able to attend. It was like nothing I had ever experienced before. You know what I mean? Because it was like they entered the room and it wasn't like, sit down, quiet down. Okay, are you in your spot? Okay, do you have everything? Are you ready? You know, it wasn't. It was like it was quiet and they were able to attend. And so that's how it started for me where I was like, okay, I can spend 20 minutes just hearing myself talk, you know, or I could spend 20 minutes helping them you know, use their energy. I don't know, and move through it. And then I did actually like look up research at the time that supported that. And what I noticed was I could spend the time ragging on everybody or we could just get moving and then be able to come in and focus. So tell me your story about incorporating movement into your students' day. I purchased a mindfulness script book um, and we do some mindfulness in my room uh, at least once a week. And there was a class last year um, that was, it was two thirds of our freshman class were in the same English nine class period. And they could not sit quietly for that five minutes of mindfulness to save their life. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember Hallie had brought up the fact that you take your students on walks at the first PDI session that I attended. Mm -hmm. And I just, I closed the book one day and I said, okay, we're going for a walk. Yep. Uh, you can walk, you can skip, you can run. I don't care. We're going outside. Mm -hmm. um, and that worked so much better for that group of students than uh, the mindful breathing that we would normally do. Uh, so that turned into our weekly tradition. And if at any point we couldn't do it because of the schedule or we didn't have school on Friday or something, mm -hmm. uh, they would make sure that we went on a walk. Mm. Um, and then when it got too cold to go on an outside walk, we just would make a lap around the school. Mm -hmm. And that was really a time where they could get some of that anxious energy out there um, mm -hmm. and put it out of their bodies, out of their minds. Um, and just come back a whole lot more ready to focus. Yeah, I used to view it more just as movement, which it is. But now I see it for our students, too, as so much of social. It's a time where they can be social, too. You know what I mean? Like, what's better than walking and talking with a friend? You know, it's kind of yeah. like you get all kinds of things out. And so, right, now I've got like 20 years behind me to be like, oh, this works. Like, right, kids are able to come back and and focus. That also makes me think about, I, I remember too how much, we'll say the word unlearning mm. that we had to do with this type of thing. And going on a walk is one of those things where I, I view it as unlearning. Because I remember when we started putting a daily walk into our routine, you and I, Joanna and I, we felt like we would have to like counsel kids on the walk or we had to make it somehow like quote-unquote purposeful mm -hmm. like for, educational while right, they were walking right or like justify it with a certain lens right, we're gonna count birds or <laughs> notice like literally like we'd come up with like different right it's like now I'm like what but you felt like you had to yes. justify it other yes. than it's just good for your body and your mind right and so now what I hear with you saying of like the social aspect of especially working with high schoolers but even I listen to my kids and all they ever talk to me about is recess a mm -hmm. huge part of the adolescent experience is being able to socialize mm -hmm. so giving them that 
time. When we walk, they talk to one another. So then when we get to work, they're not like, but I really got to tell my friend this. Or can I go take the pass to go see whoever, or, you know, whatever they're scheme up with one another. But like it gave that developmentally appropriateness <laughs> to get that socializing through so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we'd be ready to engage in some critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And just recently, you know, I'm sure in many places it was like the end of the term. So our kids just did do like a portfolio and and we had written a new set. I wrote a new section of reflection about the walk. Um, I was just, I was really trying to get into um, just again, having them have an awareness, you know? And so I said something like, remember I had them rate themselves mm-hmm. on like, I dread it. I'm neutral about it. I really look forward to it. You know, and I kind of had them do that on before, during, and after. And because we do see certain Mm -hmm. kids work through different parts of it. Like, you know. We've got our weather wusses. We got what we call them the weather (laughs) wusses, where they're always like, are you sure it's really windy today? We're like, you guys, you know the deal. We're going out, okay? (laughs) Um, But but, that's really something else, you know. And so it's something that we work through. With them, the whole like, right, do you have like this anxiousness ahead of time? How do you feel during it? How do you feel after? And I will say, by and large, everybody either said they were neutral or happy. Mm-hmm. You know, there was only a couple people that, and again, and that that's what we knew. that and, and that's something else. It's just something else we work through. You know why I brought it up? Because it was that walk that was visible to my colleagues. And so people started questioning me. And that, you know, they were just like, how come you get to go for a walk? I'm like, what do you mean do I get to? I just do it, you know? And they were like, how did you get permission? And whatever. I was just like, right, it's something I'm building in. But so it drew a lot of attention because, again, where we walk at our school is very visible to to most of the school. Now I'm happy to report there are other people who go for walks. (laughs) Did it draw any of that kind of attention or questions for you? I think my principal asked me about it once last year because our loop takes us outside her outside window. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when she saw mm-hmm. freshmen running past her window with no visible adult, I was back there talking mm-hmm. to somebody. Yeah, yeah. Freshmen go sprinting past her window. She had a couple of questions, but mm-hmm. she was on board after I explained what we were doing. Oh, yeah. It's supported. Yep. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that you've built that in. And your students, I've got to be so appreciative. You know, again, like, it's just, it's cool. It's good. It's it's your body. It's your brain. It's mm-hmm. Otherwise, they really are inside. And that's what, now we're to a point that, you know, and we've refined, I guess, our methods in talking about it. Like, our kids look forward to it and they recognize, I don't know, that it's a that it's a privilege. You know, we're like, we could be trapped in here, but we're out here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're getting to breathe. We're getting to move. We're getting to, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. So there's a, a different level of a, appreciation. And yet in one, in another sense, that's sad because it really is just a physical need. We all have. Yep. Yep. Like you said, for us, I really wanted to talk to you about being able to like use it and, you know, like, I love, and and that it is what it is. It's to personalize. It's to be, it isn't for me to be like, here's what I do. Now you go Yeah, it's not like a scripted curriculum or scripted SEL, whatever. Well, that's what forever people like, could you package what you do? I'm like, a package? Right. No, I'm people, not products. (laughs) You know, like, no. Well, because you want to stay authentic. Well, teaching only works if it works for you. You know, so everything about teaching has to be, Organic. Yeah. It mm-hmm. has to come from you. It has to be real for you, personalized mm-hmm. to you. Well, and kids can sniff out inauthenticity. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they've got that sixth sense. Let's go into our, mm-hmm. we see you, we hear you, we are you. Mm-hmm. So you, Allie, are a third year educator. 
you know, so you are in the teaching profession, you're working with children. So with that lens in mind, I want to go through our little sequence. So thinking about what are you seeing? So what are you seeing in school? What are you seeing outside of school related to education? What are you seeing in students? Things of that nature. I think one major thing that I'm seeing right now is both students and adults just kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just so much that everybody has to do right now um, that things are getting done, but they're not always getting done well. Yeah. Mm. Mm. (sighs) That reminds me of... um, when we'll talk about, you know, like dysregulation sometimes can be looked at as just like, you know, your quote unquote bad behavior, like the kid exploding, the kid telling you to F off, the kid throwing a desk. But that reminds me of like the the silent compliers or the like passive, yeah, passive compliance. compliance. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of passive compliance, you know, where on the surface externally it may look like, well, look at this is a well-oiled machine. Things are working out here. But really, there's no depth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're seeing dysregulation. I'm, I'm going to take what you just said. I'm going to say you're seeing dysregulation in that passive compliance way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So then let's go to we hear you or what are things that you're hearing people say? Again, whether it's outside of education, about education, whether it's colleagues, whether it's students, what are you hearing going on right now? I'm hearing a lot of students who are really indifferent about their education and about their teaching. Um, There is kind of a sentiment that teachers are there to teach their content and not teach Mm -hmm. students. Like we teach people, we don't teach English. Yeah. And I am hearing a lot of people who don't understand um, the adults that are showing up for them on a daily basis are here because they care about them um, and not because this is just where they work. Um, You could find another job if this is not something that you're passionate about. Um, But I, I feel like there's kind of a disconnect between the things that students are saying and the way that the adults that care about them are feeling. Yeah, that's interesting uh, because another uh, a friend of ours has said, right, that students are asking for like worksheets and workbooks. And she feels like kind of like this distance, like she's like, no, 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 no. like I want to be all up in it. Like, let's relate. Let's have the discussion. And it's a, it's an it's just an observation. It's like a post-COVID something, and I, I hear it in what you're saying. Like there is kind of a disconnect, um, and I don't know. I wouldn't even know how to analyze it. Like are oh. the kids afraid to trust? You know what I mean? There, I remember hearing that like kind of during it. The kids were like, "Well, it's hard to believe that we're going to stay in school because because then it gets shut down again." You know what I mean? And they would be like, it's hard to think that I'm going to have a normal year because you guys said that once and then it didn't happen. You know, so there might be it's just something you said reminds me of what our what our friend is saying about she wants to have this connection and, you know, and do some more real type stuff. And then actually the kids are kind of being protective of their own space. And they kind of want distance, like I said, and it's even the type of work. And so she's she's doing it right now because she sees on the on the emotional side, it's real. It's kind of like what's needed. You know where I'm going to go with this. 11 years working with students with a different educational model that prioritizes regulation first and just hearing students talk for years about how they'll just be like, teachers don't care, or they just want me to learn content. And we would have these conversations where I'm like, okay, you guys, like you really think a teacher was like, hmm, what should I do today? I'll give a worksheet to kids, you know? And through 11 years of hearing this over and over again, I'm like, oh, this this, this is the effects of a system that 
as well-meaning as any professional is, as long as we're testing children, as long as we're giving out worksheets that aren't made by yourself, as long as it's, we've got to get through this content, that's how a child interprets it. You know what I mean? Like, I think the best of teachers can be like, I'm here for you, but we got to get through this content so we can take this test. Or, but, you know, we're operating in a system that prioritizes your scores and skills over you as a person. And these kids, definitely, and maybe even you, Allie, were really in a system that was all tied to testing scores with No Child Left Behind, then Race to the Top. You know what I mean? Where schools have really turned into strictly academics. And I I really am like, these tests are a problem. They are a problem because it is stripping away who we are as professionals. I know how a child is doing based on me talking to them based on my expertise and being able to discern between what they're telling me and not. I don't need a test to tell me if they can read or not. It's a conversation. You know what I mean? And my mm-hmm. expertise. So I, I am a little bit on a crusade right now, Allie, <laughs> of like these tests. Yes, I understand. I can create tests or assessments to know learning, but I don't. I don't need to use other people's tests or a you know, scripted tests that everybody baseline needs to take. As a professional, I can discern that. So that's what I hear in what you're saying, is that they're just products, you know, and they're receivers of the system, where they're like, there is no humanness to this. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Take it real twisted. Really bad, y'all. All right. So then let's go to... um, or did you have any thoughts about what I just said? Sorry, I don't mean to be like. No, I 100%. I think that's 100% right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and then lastly, we are you. So just what are things, who are people you're really connecting with, whether it's students, other colleagues, just people, pro-public school advocates, um, what are you connecting with to bring you hope or just keeping you chugging right now? You know, like you're... What are you feeling in it with people? Right. Yeah. Um, so through the union, um, I actually serve as my local president. Um, <gasps> and the- <laughs> So definitely my union family here at my local. Um, And then I'm also a member of WEAC's Wisconsin Early Career Educators Committee. Um, So I get to sit on a committee with early career educators from around the state. Um, And we're doing some work um, with that retention and the empowerment of early career educators. Mm. Uh, Those are some of my very best friends. And the work that we're doing together is really important and that gets me really excited dang that's wonderful yeah. so tell me though what yeah. are some of the ideas what are you guys mm-hmm. working on what what is it that y'all are wanting or pushing forward yeah so one of our charges from WEAC is to kind of build the bridge between aspiring ed and active teachers um, so building those relationships with college students before they enter the profession mm-hmm. um, so that when they do land that first big teaching job um, they know that the union is there to support them. Um, specifically, we see would be able to support them um, no matter where they end up teaching. That's cool. Mm. Right. Right. So letting you know what you need. But it's probably a natural, you know, again, it's yeah. the, the connection. But it's feeding there. you. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Right. It's giving you and it's energizing you. That And that is, again, back to the PDI. That's why we go. It's energizing to connect with the people coming up in the profession. Mm-hmm. And I find that, oh, yes, again, it's energizing, it's healing, it's where I want to be. I'm, I'm in, I keep saying, I've been informed by the fight, but I'm into the forward, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward, moving forward. And so that's great that you, one, have that, those groups to attach to, and that, of course, it is through our, union mm-hmm. um which is super cool super important Rick 
qualified. So thank you so much for, you know, being willing to be on the show. And then you're also a listener. Am I right? I am. Yeah. Yeah. And so can you share with our audience or with other Mm -hmm. people or because now, you know, we're we're through NEA, we're through WEAC, you Mm -hmm. know, we're expanding. Could you share with other listeners like why you do listen, what you think about it, what you value, that kind of stuff? There are a lot of education-based podcasts out there, and they all kind of have their own take on the world of education. Uh, Educators Amplified is one that I subscribe to and really enjoy listening to uh, because the two of you (laughs) put an emphasis on the well-being of both students and teachers. Uh, I think it's easy to forget that you are also a person as a teacher Mm -hmm. um, and that you need to take care of yourself. The two of you do a really good job of prioritizing that. Well, cool. You. Yeah, nice to hear. And that's good. And, you know, that is what we really believe. And that was why we do the yes. podcast of saying that, right, teaching is is a beautiful, complex uh, profession. And the people in it, um, right, it, like nobody cares for us in a way. Like there's nothing. I always talk about how like as a workplace, as an organization, there's just like there's a role of teacher go do it. Mm -hmm. But there's really not a lot baked into the whole system of how you really would care for one another, how you would nurture a teacher. Right. It's just like an expect. And like I said, then that's why earlier when I was like, and so then we have this whole thing of like, we're not good enough and we're not whatever, because there's, it's missing this nurturing quality. And that's what we, we found brought great success when we put together brains and bodies for our students and then also for ourselves. And so. Well, we want teaching to stay a profession. A profession. And we want teachers to stay for long periods of time. And with all that's going on in our world and personally, we want to be able to sustain this mm-hmm. or have people be able mm-hmm. to sustain this. And so a good part of well-being is connections and connections like this, right? Because, mm-hmm. again, it's like. You know, we unite, we unite, we connect over Mm -hmm. the positive and the productive. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. That's what I hope will make you last for at least 27 years like myself. (laughs) Do you think you have a shelf life? I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Something that I want to do for as long as I can. Yeah. And things like this are really just going to help me get there. Well, I appreciate so much that one that you're here and that you're in the profession. I Mm -hmm. love, and this was another thing I like about PDI is, is seeing and hearing teachers and how they do talk about their students and their work, you Mm -hmm. know, that, that it's genuine, that it's real. Mm -hmm. Um, And wow, the fact that you are so invested in, in the collective, that you are a part mm-hmm. of these groups, that you are organized on behalf of the other professionals um, in your school district. That's awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I hope you keep taking care of yourself, too. You know, being a third-year teacher, I remember. Do you work any part-time jobs? Or did you say you coach something? Yeah, I coach volleyball, volleyball. and softball. I am the yearbook advisor. Oh, um, I am the <laughs> advisor. I am the freshman class advisor. And you're the union president. Oh, Lord. Well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just hear that. (laughs) Right. We got to work on those things. I hope you sleep at night. Right. I get home a lot earlier now that volleyball is done for the year. Okay. All right. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you so much. I really appreciated this time. Mm -hmm. I appreciate your authenticity. I appreciate you just being willing to share and Mm -hmm. amplify yourself. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, it's great to know that Allie's out here. And Allie has allies in that ECE group. (laughs) We want to hear from them, too. (laughs) We want to hear from Allie's allies. That's right. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Listen up, education. This is a Gen Z teacher talking. <laughs> Better get ready. I've been trying to help you, girl. I've been trying to help them I get ready know. for our future teachers who this is just the wheelhouse. It's yep. mm-hmm. it's what you think. It's what you need. 
it's 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 how it can be. It's how we reach people. But right, our our other systems don't necessarily line up with that. So that's really cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was so nice. I learned a lot, and I was happy to amplify Allie. Allie has uh, allies amplifying Allie. Whatever. I just love all the play on words. Um, so just listeners, let us know what you think. Um, find us on social media. We've got Instagram and Facebook, both at Educators Amplified. You can always email us, educatorsamplified at gmail.com. Um, like and subscribe, rate, review. You know, that's what we were talking about. Like we mentioned at Sugar Maple, where we were like, how do we beat the algorithms? How do we keep, you know, boosting our posts so that people learn more and more about what's going on? It's not just about Hallie and Joanna. This is a really important message and thing that we know community members, teachers, students, just people need to learn about. You know, we care about our public schools and we want really great spaces for children and the professionals who work in them to be. So help us out by telling people about us, liking, commenting, sharing, reviewing, all of that good social media stuff. Um, But right. Thanks so much. We'll hear you next time. No, we don't hear you. But thank you so much. Educators Amplified, the podcast, is recorded at Silver City Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Theme music composed by Josh Evert, with original music by DJ Dripsweat. Thank you to our sponsor, WEA Academy. Educators Amplified.